You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S. Bleeds is your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you been? It's been a minute since we uh, recorded an episode, my man. True that, true that. But hey, you know, the finals, the finals, man. Had to get through I that know. finals week, sir. You already know. Had to get through that finals week. But hey, we, we back. Are we you back. all done now? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Finished and done for the semester. Ready to talk about the nosebleeds, talk about what's happening in the world of sports and talk about, you know, how everything's going on in the world with y'all, man. So uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It is very, very, very good to be back. Let's get into it. We got an NBA episode because it is the end of the regular season. We got the playing tournament going on right now. We're in the midst of it. And we got the postseason coming up, the playoffs coming up. So we're going to give you some of our reactions, our predictions, see how some of our preseason predictions uh, matched up with the actual uh, playoff matchups. And then we got our awards to give out at the end of the season. So let's get straight into it. Let's talk about the latest news. And that's obviously the playing tournament. We had the round one matchups uh, with the seven, eight and the nine, 10 seeds going at it. So let's talk about the first one that was played the Hornets versus the Pacers. The final score was 117 to 144 Pacers winning that one. What you, was your reaction to that game? It was a murder, murder from start to finish, to be honest with you. But, I mean, you can't really expect a a whole – like, the only reason I might slightly excuse it is because of how young this Hornets team is and also no Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, if you look at how the Hornets were playing prior to Gordon Hayward's injury to after he got injured, it was like night and day. Like, they were flirting with the fourth seed because – when Hayward was still there. And then all of a sudden it seemed like everything kind of went off the rails and also didn't help the fact that their star rookie Lamella ball was injured for a good chunk of the season as well, too. But I mean, Hey, you know, in this situation, win or go home scenario, you can't, you cannot allow a team to score 40 points in the first quarter, 70 points in the first half. Yeah. Let that happen, bro. It was bad. The Hornets could not stop a nosebleed, no pun intended. And uh, but and, and the crazy thing is that the Pacers, no Levert for them. And he's going to be out for a while with uh, the health and safety protocol uh, that the NBA has. So, I mean, he could even maybe be, he's probably going to miss the next playing game and uh, maybe a little bit of the first round. But we'll see. But I mean, yeah, the Hornets, their interior defense is going to be a big issue for the Hornets. And that's something that they're going to need to address this offseason. 
uh, Rashawn Holmes, maybe. <laughs> but the crazy thing is that the Hornets three-headed guard combo of LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Devontae Graham combined for 12 for 42. That's 29% from the field. So that's definitely not going to cut it, especially when you lean on those guys for to, to carry the scoring load with uh, Hayward out. And then my man, DeMontis Sabonis, who's been an absolute beast for this Pacers team day in and day out. 14 points, 20 rebounds, 9 assists. And uh, even though there was no Levert, having Brogdon back helped a lot. But the Hornets are eliminated. They're going to be heading back home, watching the rest of the playoffs from the couch. And the Pacers, they will be playing the losers of this next game that we're going to talk about, which let's get into it. We got the Wizards versus the Celtics. This was the 7-8 matchup. And the Celtics won 118-100. to 100. What was your reaction on this game? I mean, can we just start to acknowledge that Jason Tatum is legit. Like he, I think this was the the season where, you know, we were talking about how, you know, whether or not the Celtics as a team could maybe take that next step. And that didn't happen, obviously, but Tatum certainly did all he possibly could to show that his game is getting better and better and better. 50 points for my man, JT. And then Kemba Walker also announced himself as well. Kemba looked like killer Kemba of, you know, them Charlotte Hornets days, bro. And even back in UConn days, like he was feeling it in this game. And both of those two were just a two-headed monster. And I feel like the Achilles heel in this game for the Wizards was just the fact that neither Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook had a good game. And you can't have both of your star players have off nights in a must-win game like this one. And especially even though Westbrook had a had uh, I think he had a near triple double, um, it still wasn't wasn't good enough as far as like his shooting wise. Like he was taking some really bad shots, really off rhythm shots. And I felt like they just couldn't really buy a bucket. And meanwhile, the Celtics were just flourishing in that half court set. And I think that. The, the thing that the Wizards are going to need to do in this next game against the Pacers is they cannot allow this to just be a, a simple half-court type game. They're going to have to find a way to try to speed the game up because we all know open court, you don't want to try and guard Russell Westbrook because that is he's like a mini freight train. He's mini LeBron almost in, in that open court, and you really just don't want to see it. And that also opens up opportunities for guys to be able to get open for shots, guys to be get open for layups and dunks, and Bradley Beal to be able to get open as well so he can get going. So I think that uh, it was a tough L. It was a tough loss, but, you know, I feel like the Celtics, you know, they did what they had to do, and – you know, uh, ultimately their stars were able to push them ahead and they get the reward of playing the, <laughs> playing the Brooklyn Nets in the next round. Yeah. And I think for the Wizards talking about their struggles uh, like you were, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Boston's defense. First of all, obviously, no Jalen Brown, that's the biggest thing uh uh headlining for the celtics this postseason but they got robert williams back and he is a big boost to him and tristan thompson played really well protecting that pay and force guys like westbrook and company to make more outside shots which is hard on this team unless your name is bradley bill really and uh, maybe, maybe you could throw in davis Bertan. but their perimeter defense was even amazing too they held the wizards 14 percent from three so that's definitely not going to get it done and like you said tatum at the age of 23 dropping 50 points like it's nothing uh so i mean 
the, it, the Celtics, it looks good for them. But like you said, they're going to be running into the tough, tough Brooklyn Nets uh, in that 2-7 matchup in the playoffs. Um, but th- this is the crazy part. When your top three rebounders for the Wizards is Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and Ish Smith, that's a big <laughs> problem right there. Those are your top three rebounders in the game right there. So, I mean, they have guys like Alex Land, Daniel Gafford, but they, they need a true big man who can help protect the paint and, you know, get rebounds. And I think that's where Thomas Bryant was missing towards the end of the season. But I think Kemba Walker definitely shut me up. I was doubting him all season long. Uh, so he finally stepped it up. Let's see if he can keep it going in the playoffs. But I think the biggest, another story outside of Jalen Brown was Marcus Smart. He got, mm-hmm. he rolled his ankle multiple times in that game. And he's obviously been dealing with lower body uh, injuries as well too. So he went down multiple times in that game, but continued to play through. It just shows how tough he is. But I mean, also, Robert yeah. Williams went down with a, a rolled ankle, and I don't know if he came back. Uh, yeah, that's so a, that's a big body right there that the Celtics. I think he down. he might have also been on a minutes restriction as yeah. well too. So hopefully um, they're able to get him back um, before the first round begins because when you talk about needing somebody in the paint to just provide a presence, so it's mm-hmm. not an easy you know open season on the rim for the Nets. Like you gotta at least provide some sort of rim protection, and I think that Robert Williams has like his game is really transformed, especially his defense. It's gotten even better than his first couple seasons in the league. So I feel like they're gonna really need him, especially now that he's like pretty much their only legitimate big man center wise. Yeah, I was hoping that uh, the Clippers would have drafted him that year because he went late in the first round. Because mm-hmm. um, he actually reminds me a lot of like old school Lob City DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. where uh, mm-hmm. that defensive presence just happens to be that they're both out of Texas A&M. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the Wizards they're gonna be uh, they're gonna get another chance to make the playoffs. They're gonna play the Pacers in a winner go home, and the winner of that matchup plays the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs. And like we mentioned, Celtics are gonna be playing the Nets in the first round. Let's move out to the West. We had the Spurs versus the Grizzlies. It was a close matchup, ninety six to one hundred. Um, but damn, this game was definition of grit and grind teams going at one another. Defensive matchup, low scoring affair. And that's basically what we tuned into all game long. What was your thoughts on it? I feel like this was a tough one. Absolutely. Like you said, for both teams and like, you could clearly see why the Spurs, not that same old team of the, uh, of before, but they still got that Spurs culture, that Spurs spirit. You know what I mean? Like they still are always going to make it tough on you and it's never going to be an easy ride when it's postseason time against San Antonio. So, I mean, credit to them young guns with Memphis, man. And it's going to be really curious to see whether or not they fold and they have the same sort of experience like they did last year in the, in the bubble in the playing tournament, or do they make that one, you know, get that extra win that they need in order to be able to go ahead and get that HC? Because, I mean, D-Lil knocked them out. And, and now it's going to be an interesting test on, to see whether or not John Morant, who's got the tough task of guarding, you know, one of the top premier guards in the league in this next game. So it, it's going to be an interesting sight to see for Memphis. And overall, I think that this is really going to show me a whole lot about their star in John Morant and a lot about their team as a whole and whether or not this is a, a young cast of group, a young cast that can be able to to handle it and get it done in a tough, difficult Western conference. 
Yeah, the Grizzlies definitely benefited from getting healthy at the right time, getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back and a couple of those other guys that were banged up. But on the Spurs side of things, I think the only ones playing their heart and souls out was DeJounte Murray and Rudy Gay. Everyone else on that court literally looked like they were playing a regular old regular season game and not in a winner go home situation. So, I mean, Popovich, is he going to come back next year? That's going to be the big story to follow um, in the offseason. So, I mean, things could really be shaken up in San Antonio for the Spurs. And on the Grizzly side of things, first of all, shout out to my man, Jonas Valanciunas. Mm. Absolute monster. 23 points, 23 rebounds. <laughs> Literally a man out there. And, uh, I mean, this game really, it was 96 to 100, and it really didn't get close until the end of Rudy Gay. Um but the final score, I feel like it doesn't tell the story because I just felt like the Grizzlies were outplaying the Spurs at least like 85% of the game. <laughs> so, I mean, it got close towards the end. But, uh, yeah, it, it was really just the Grizzlies. They took a big league and then never really turned back. Um, but as of right now, Spurs eliminated from the playoffs for the second straight year. And this is the first time in franchise history that that's ever happened in their 45 years of existence. So, Crazy, crazy history in uh, Spurs franchise history. And then uh, for the Grizzlies, they're going to be taking on the winner of this next game we're going to talk about for the eighth seed in the West. So let's get into that game. We had the Warriors versus the Lakers. Lakers winning 103 to 100. And I think both of these games, in the, the Spurs, Grizzlies, and the Warriors, Lakers, more the Warriors, Lakers, I think – the reason this is this is the exact reason why the person whoever came up with a playing tournament deserves a raise because that <laughs> that is top five top three game of the year right there with the Lakers Warriors it wasn't a high scoring crazy affair but I mean in the the first half it just looked really lethargic but that mm-hmm. second half turned up and that was a that was a fun second half to watch what was your thoughts yeah man I'm not gonna even lie to you like toward like I was catching like some of the scores uh like at halftime, I was like, man, Golden State's up by 13. And you know what really like didn't surprise me at all at the as to why the Golden State Warriors were in this game is because uh <laughs> Charles Barkley and Shaq had the nerve the other night to say that this was gonna be a cakewalk for the Lakers, bro. Like they were like, Yeah, it's gonna be a cakewalk, it's gonna be easy. Oh, you know, you know, every time Charles Barkley says something, the exact opposite happens. So I mean, like everybody like I even saw like a tweet during while they were saying, like, yo, putting my money down on Golden State to win. <laughs> so and, and almost paid out to be honest with you. But um, I feel like in my heart, I kind of wanted to see Golden State win just because of like seeing how angsty Laker fans would get if they had to be put in a situation where they were fighting for the AFC oh, coming you up a year you, after they won the championship. You should have seen the timeline on Twitter that first half. It was, oh my God, it was a bloodbath for Lakers <laughs> and Laker fans. It was just, it was an absolute oh madness. Oh my God, that's yeah. so hilarious. But overall, the game-wise was, was crazy. Like, Golden State had a 13-point lead at halftime. I knew that wasn't going to stick. I knew that LeBron and AD was going to shake things up. And they did, to their credit. Um, like you said, it was a slow first half on both sides, but I feel like more so for the Lakers. And I think that's because that's been the story of their season, to be honest with you. They've really haven't had a whole lot of time to be able to gel together because of all the different injuries that they've had in their starting lineup and to their key players, AD and LeBron. So, and then scary moment again for Laker fans as they had to watch as LeBron looked like he was about to be done for the rest of the night when he got hit by uh, Draymond and uh still surprised how that was a lot of flagrant. different scrapes and, yeah look I 
I don't know. Like to me, I went back and forth on it. Like the commentators were saying it wasn't Steve Javi, former uh, NBA referee. He said it wasn't. I was surprised the NBA didn't give that a yeah. flagrant foul, to Same. be honest with you, or like even try to uh, give them the opportunity to eject Draymond there. So uh, kudos to the NBA for just calling that a common foul, because I feel like this is the playoffs and like we kind of expect the fouls to be a little bit harder than we see in the regular season. So if re- if that was a regular season, we already know what, what it would have been. But ultimately coming down to the stretch like that, seeing two you know, former MVPs go neck and neck. To, it felt like the those Cavaliers, Warriors, you know, 2016 uh, finals, 2015 finals all over again between Steph and LeBron. Like those two were just going at each other. And it was a, a great sight to see because like when LeBron hit that shot, like all Laker fans was just going crazy and still going crazy probably right now on the timeline. But ultimately, man, I felt like the Lakers – we're going to fight to finale because they wanted to get this matchup. I feel like they felt like they got a better opportunity to move on and a better opportunity to progress. If they got the Suns versus getting the Utah jazz. And ultimately it, it the score I felt like kind of described the game because this could have really ultimately gone either way, but it's no, you know, shame whatsoever for the warriors. They still got one opportunity, another opportunity to be able to get into the postseason, but it's going to be a tough test going up against Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this game might have been the best defensive performance the Warriors mm. have put up all season long. Mm, and, I mean, absolutely. granted, the Lakers look like absolute shit in the first half, and I think that was one of the worst officiated games of the season. Like, it was just yeah. bad all around, all around very yeah. inconsistent. Um, but, yeah, and then from the Lakers' side, I think that th- – that game right there shows why they're contenders, the relentlessness in them and the fight in them. Um, but first things first, Steph Curry, inefficient, 37 points from against a top five defense in the league as well, too. So it's mm-hmm. we're literally witnessing greatness from mm-hmm. Steph Curry. And to think that he's getting Klay Thompson back next season is scary. Hopefully Klay Thompson is the Klay Thompson we knew him to be um, and injuries haven't set him back. But the, I mean, yeah, if the Warriors can hold this together and James Wiseman can take a, a, the next step, Warriors are going to be scary. Let um, me just quickly like ask you, Kush, because Kenny Smith brought up an interesting uh, point uh, the other night. He was saying uh, when, in preview of this matchup between the Lakers and the Warriors, he said that Steph Curry right here right now Best player in the league. What 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 are your thoughts on that? You feel like Steph is the best player in the league right now? Mm, that's tough. tough. That's tough. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm like, he's playing at an all-time high. Absolutely. He's averaging, you know, most points in the league right now. He's 33 years old. And he's still yeah. efficient. That's the scary part. But, I mean still got a lot of other guys that could be, like, knocking on that door saying, hey, I'm feel like I'm the best player in the league. I mean, you could throw in KD, Giannis, you know, even though he's aged, LeBron's still still definitely up there too, fighting for that crown. So I don't know. I don't know. But I would definitely say Steph, you cannot say Steph is not at least in your your, your top five. At least in your top five. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You say Steph is outside your top five. I kind of have to look at you a little sideways because I'm like, what does he have to do? Because he literally carried this team to this play in tournament. And regardless if they win the next game or not, I mean, we witnessed a hell of a season and a hell of an effort from Steph Curry. And I feel like, honestly, 
um, I, with all the slander that he had to experience, and all everybody was completely writing off the Warriors after Clay went down with the injury, and even before Clay went uh, down with the injury, people were saying like this was going to be a tough season for Steph. He's not going to be able to get those easy shots off. No KD, you know, yada yada yada. He's finished. He's it's a wrap. He's about to get exposed. And I mean, he just he, he made that he made all the haters go silent this season. So I feel like kudos to Steph Curry. Hell of a season. Hell of a game. And I'm excited to see him and John Morant go toe-to-toe and try to fight for that last spot. Yeah. Like you said, the Warriors are going to be playing the Grizzlies for the eighth seed to play the Utah Jazz in the first round. The Lakers now get the seventh seed, and they'll play the Suns in the first round. So, I mean, a tough game going into a tough series. But uh, since we're on the subject, let's talk about round two of the playing tournament. That's going to be going down Thursday and Friday. The first game is the Eastern Conference. We have the Pacers versus the Wizards. What's your predictions for this game? I feel like if the Pacers slow down the game, have the game at their pace, play that gritty defense that they normally do, Pacers are going to win the game. Because I feel like in the playoffs, in the playoffs, the game slows down and it's hard to do that fast pace like nonstop crazy tempo type of play that you see in the regular season. Cause that's what a guy like, especially a guy like Westbrook flourishes off of open court, being able to dish off, being able to go to the cup, get that ferocious dunk to hype himself up and his teammates up or being able to kick out for a three and get, you know, his guys confidence up, you know, things of that nature. That stuff slows down. That stuff slows down all the way in the uh, in the postseason. And I'm starting to wonder, is is Russ out of gas? Because, I mean, you know, going nonstop like that every single game in the regular season has to take a toll on you. And I'm curious. To I see think in the next not... year or two, mm. I think in the next year or two, because right mm-hmm. now it seems like there's no breaks. Exactly. It's all gas. Exactly. And so, like, as long as the pace is just keep the game at an even kill pace, get good uh, offensive possessions and make sure every single time on the defensive end, whether it's a make or a miss, they're always contesting. They're always making every shot difficult for the Wizards. I feel like the Pacers are the better team. I feel like the Pacers have a better system. And I feel like the Pacers are going to ultimately win this game. And I feel like the only way the Wizards win this game is if both Bradley Beal and Westbrook turn up. It can't just be Bradley Beal. It can't just be Westbrook. Both those guys have to both be 30-plus, I feel. Both of them have to have 30-plus because if neither one of them is scoring, it's kind of hard for you to look around at their others and expect them to just, like, turn up. Because I'm like, I'm not looking at an Ishmith, a Bertans, or any of those other guys to go crazy at, and go above their season averages. They're going to be right around, if not even lower than their season averages. And that means that Westbrook and Beal, they got to get the job done if they're trying to go ahead and get that AC. And I just think that that's a tall, tough task especially if you're the Indiana Pacers, a team that has a Malcolm Brogdon, has a Sabonis, has even a Doug McDermott who was going off in the last game too. So, I mean, like you got so many options in Indiana that they can utilize and they can go to as far as scoring. And I think that makes it very, very difficult and tough if you're the Washington Wizards. Yeah. What was it? Doug McDermott was like 14 points in the first five or six minutes of the game. Knocking down tray after tray after tray. Like, bro. Yeah. Um, for the Pacers, though, I I think they're going to miss Karis LeVert this game mm. badly. He would, uh, he would do a number on Westbrook, I feel. The, yeah. The defense or Bradley Bill. I feel like the defense would be crucial. 
Well, more than the defense, I think the offense as well, too. But offensively, I don't think on the Wizards there's anyone who can check Sabonis on that Wizards team. There's absolutely no one that could check DeMontis Sabonis. And the last time these two faced off, that in my opinion, I thought that was a controversial ending to the game. The Wizards came back and won in overtime, but there was like there was a foul by DeMontis Sabonis, Daniel Gafford over the back. It was absolute bullshit. Terrible <laughs> call. Um, but yeah, I, I think they don't have Levert this time that they did have last time, but they have Brogdon, who they didn't have last time, and they have this time. So they just kind of flip-flopped. But uh, I'm going to go with the Pacers on this one. Uh, I think Brogdon, he's, you're not going to get the the crazy scoring like uh, you would have gotten with Levert. Not saying Brogdon's a bad score, but you do get better defense mm. out of Brogdon than you do with um, Karis Levert. And I think the, it, if the role players step up for the, for the Pacers, I think they'll be chilling. And like you said, I think if they play to their pace, then they'll be better. And I, I expect them to win ultimately, and I feel like they're going to get that eight seed. And then we have the Western Conference. We got the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. This is the 9-8 matchup. That's uh winner gets the eight seed to play the Utah Jazz. What's your prediction on this one? I feel like this is a, a very up – like, it's a go either way. I'm very, like – unsure about this game but the only reason i'm gonna take the warriors is just because i i'm I'm expecting because we saw in the lakers versus warriors game steph curry got double teamed like crazy and still had 37 he got double teamed like 16 times or something like that and still had 37 i'm expecting memphis to do the same thing they're gonna try to force somebody other than steph to beat them which is the game plan obviously you don't want Steph to be the, the the sole killer and destroy your season and end your season. So they're going to try to force somebody else to beat them. But, hey, Andrew Wiggins, this is your time. This is the time to show everybody, look, I'm ready. I'm not that same dude. My last time I was in the postseason getting swept against the Rockets, looking like a headless chicken. Like, he's looking like a grown man now. He's looking like he's ready to show up. And Draymond Green is going to have to show up. And, like, every single guy on that Warriors team is going to have to show up for all the minutes that they play. So I feel like it's a it's going to be a tall task, but it's going to especially be a lot on the shoulders of, of Steph, but mainly I think it's going to be more so on the others because we already know Steph is going to be Steph. Draymond is going to be Draymond. He's going to be that dude that plays hard-nosed defense and tries to look to uh, facilitate and playmate. But Andrew Wiggins got to get at least 20 points like he did in the Lakers game. Um and then you got to have the same level of defensive uh, play that you did. And if they play that same gritty like type play, and it comes down to a, a neck and neck close game, and you give me the and you give me the best one of the best players in the league and Steph, I got to go with the Warriors if it's a neck and neck game toward the end of the game. So I'm gonna go ahead and give the Warriors the nod, and they're gonna go ahead and get that eight seed, and they're gonna play the Utah Jazz. It's no disrespect whatsoever to Memphis. It's no disrespect whatsoever to John Morant. It's just I think I'm not quite enough sure on whether or not they're going to be able to to go toe to toe. And if it's a close game, final seconds, you know, under a minute to play, are they going to be able to have enough possessions where they outscore Golden State? And I just feel like they're not going to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, for the Warriors almost beating the defending champions in the Lakers to get the seven seed, you think that this would be a cakewalk for the Warriors? But can't say that. I absolutely, yeah, I think it's completely different. I feel like this Grizzlies team has been written off and included by myself in the preseason. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I, this Grizzlies team, I mean. They've been written off. John Morant has had a hell of a season. Jaron Jackson Jr. is looking like he can be that sidekick to John Morant. Um, and then Jonas Valanciunas, I I think he has stepped it up in a big way. I don't know anybody on the Warriors who could really check him because I'm pretty sure Draymond Green's going to be on Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. for most of the time. So I as, as good of a game as Kevon Looney had against mm-hmm. the, the Lakers, I don't think... Can't expect it. Yeah, you can't expect it. I can't expect it again against Jonas Valanciunas. And then they have just straight shooters. They got Grayson Allen. They got Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks. They got uh, DeAnthony Melton. So, I mean, they have scores outside of those three guys. And, uh, and, and they play hard-nosed, tough defense as well, too. Grit and grind mm-hmm. uh, offense and defense. So... For this Warriors team, it's really going to be hard. I think you hit the nail on the head. Curry's going to be double team. Draymond, he's not really effective on the offensive end besides facilitating. Defensively, he's going to be expending most of his energy over there. So it's really up to the other guys like the Mulder, the Wiggins, the the Juan Toscano Andersons, mm-hmm. Jordan Pools. It's going to be up to those guys who really step up. And obviously, Steph Curry, if he's got it going, he's got it going. It's that, that I can only count on one hand, maybe even one finger, the, the amount of guys that can stop Steph Curry, if that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be really tough. I, I'm going to ride with the Warriors this game just because they have playoff experience, more playoff experience mm-hmm. on their I was team. Just, yeah, I've totally forgot about that. You right So, that. So that, that's why I'm going to ride with the Warriors, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Grizzlies do end up winning and getting that eight seed. It's going to be fun to see. All right, now let's get into our preseason brackets versus uh, the actual brackets this season. We're just going to go. I'm not going to go through each and every one, but we're, we're going to go with how many we've gotten correct. So we kind of broke it up into three tiers. First tier is obviously the play, or the teams that made the playoffs. Second tier is the playing tournament. And the third one is who missed the playoffs. So for me in the entire league, I got 22 out of 30 teams right. I think my biggest ones that I got wrong in the Eastern Conference were the Knicks. I had them, I had them in the 13th seed, finished as the fourth seed. So I think that was my biggest mistake right there. So I'm sorry. Uh, don't come at me, uh, <laughs> Knicks fans. And then in the Western Conference, I'm going to go with the Rockets. But that's also because I thought they would have James Harden. I didn't know about Like the trade here, didn't know. I had him in the playing tournament, um, one of the higher seeds in it. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That's pretty much it. I went twenty-two for thirty. What was yours looking like? So I had, uh, so my biggest like drop the ball on uh, my predictions was I had the Raptors in the five seed, and uh, in the in, and then I, I just kind of like kind of I guess overhyped them a little bit I felt like they still had enough in the tank you know two years removed from the championship I still felt like they could have another run in them but clearly clearly I was I was off on that one but um as far as uh the west like you said same thing uh the Rockets was the one that I messed up on and as far as the the teams that I had, I think I only had 
I believe, um, same as you, same as you. I only missed like a, a like I, I had the same number of teams in the playoffs as you did. So, um, yeah, overall, I felt like this was like a weird season because the, the trades at the beginning of the season and, and also the the um, the midseason trades also kind of threw me off as well because I think I also had the Magic making it in the the play-in. I did as well, too. So, didn't know uh, Vucevic would be traded. Exactly, though. exactly. Like, I didn't know they were going to gut their whole team, like all their star players. So uh, those are like some of my like off the wall, I guess, predictions before the season, I guess you could say. But other than that, I felt like, you know, they weren't my, I don't feel like my predictions were bad necessarily because, you know, obviously, you know, who could have predicted that both Anthony Davis and LeBron were going to get injured at damn near felt like the same time. So I feel like, uh, but I, I, I don't necessarily feel like my predictions were necessarily bad because I, I still felt like, they were realistic at the time that we made them and they weren't all that far off of what uh, was projected by not only us, but I think a handful of other people and uh, even people probably around the association probably would have uh, predicted too. So quick question. Where, where'd you have the Lakers finishing? I had them finishing first, but that was okay, obviously same. like at the start of the season. So um, where did you have the Suns finishing? I had the Suns finishing seventh, so in the playing tournament. I had to finish it ninth. <laughs> Yo, I was not. I, I think, was not a I believer. Think, I think that that one we had. I was looking at you crazy. You were looking at me mm-hmm. crazy, and yeah. also another one was I had the Trailblazers at nine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember I you were looking at me. Crazy. I had them at four. I had them yeah. at four, which ain't that too far off. They got the six. They got six. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean. Never know what goes on in the season with trades and injuries and stuff like that. But, hey, at 22 for 30, still not terrible. Nah, not at all. All right, let's talk about the actual playoff bracket and how it's shaping up. We still don't know the eighth seed yet because that last playing tournament game uh, needs to be played on both sides of the conferences. So let's start off. Obviously, we had the Sixers versus uh, either the – the Wizards or the Pacers, that's TBD. So let's start off with the Nets versus the Celtics in the Eastern Conference, a two versus seven. Uh, who are you liking in this matchup and how many games? I do like the favorite, uh, the Nets, to win this. Um, but I'll say this. There it goes, your Celtics. Might, yeah, yeah but, my, <laughs> hey, but I'll say this, though. My preseason prediction was the, the that these teams were going to meet up in the Eastern Conference Finals. I didn't expect it to happen this early, though. But I'll say this, though. Had it been like a fully – I would have loved to have seen like a fully healthy Celtics team versus a fully healthy Nets team. The only reason I got oh, to yeah. give the nod to the Nets is because, one, they're, they're you know more healthy. The star power that they have, I would say. And then uh, the, only, the only thing that I would say could be the Achilles heel for the Nets having a surprise bounce out is if they just have some terrible shooting games – and obviously defense has been an issue for them all season long. And if the Celtics go off uh, and go up, maybe like get it like a three, two or a three, one and shock everybody. But realistically, I would say this will probably be a gentleman's sweep. This will probably be a, a five, one, I mean, a four, one in favor of a, uh, in favor of the nets. And this will probably finish in, uh, in five games, but I would not sleep on, the, the 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 big X factor I'll say is going to be Brad Stevens, and is going to be whether or not the Celtics can produce 
that that defensive intensity that we've seen them be able to produce in the postseason in previous seasons. So if they come out and they play hard and they have like some crazy defense and they're able to get stops and they're able to frustrate the Nets, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they push this to six or seven, to be honest with you. But out of you know, just off of what we have right now in front of us, I, I got to say the Nets are looking a little too too much for me to go against them at the moment. So I'm going to go Nets in five. Completely flipping your picks preseason. Love to see it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm being realistic. I'm being no, real. not yeah, I, was I get crazy you. in the preseason, but hey, I had to keep it real on this. One. You know, if it was Skip Bayless or Skip or uh, St- Stephen A. Smith, they'd be riding with the Celtics still. <laughs> true, true. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I got five games going to the Nets. I just there's only one Marcus Smart on the team mm-hmm. to guard mm-hmm. either james harden or kyrie irving because you know tatum's probably going to be matched up against the rent and then the bigs against the bigs um whatever it is and then uh the, well one of those guys are gonna be going off and it's like if one of them have an off day if two of them have an off day you still have that third piece mm-hmm. who can literally go out and uh you know get you a bucket any which way so that's what i think the nets it's gonna be a good series and i definitely can see it going to six games like you said but i just think the nets have way too much firepower for the celtics to keep up with them but i i would be ready to buy my words or to eat my words if that uh if the celtics do push it to six i'll say this though another thing is that Kyrie has been very up in the air about you know about his focus this season. I mean, he even came out and said that his focus is really has not been on basketball throughout the course of this season, which is fair enough. I mean, a lot, of, you know, real world stuff has been happening and, you know, a lot of different things, you know, has taken his attention away from the game of basketball, which, you know, you know, no shade, no, you know, not trying to throw any, any darts or anything, but I'm just pointing out that, you know, if your focus, especially right now in the postseason and the playoffs, is not on basketball and you're not 100% all in buying in, I'm just, I know I've been, I've been, everybody's been trying to, you know, push these narratives about there being some infighting or there's some chemistry issues. But if the Nets lose game one, all I'm saying is if the Nets lose game one, I'm wondering how, like, you know, what the reaction is going to be. What I, I'm, I'm going to be tuning into those interviews to see what, what those guys are going to be saying to the media because, hey, it's only game one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I got to see how they respond. And, and I think that the Celtics need to catch them on that game one. If they are able to steal game one off the get, that's going to make this series that much more entertaining for me because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, snap. Oh, I didn't know the substance was on that level of timing right now. So they, I they, feel like all season out. long, all season long, you've been waiting for the next Nets to just crack and just I disintegrate. Been. I have been. I'll just say that. Disintegrate. I will say that. I'll admit that. I'll admit that because I felt like there was been there was cracks already there, and like they haven't played together. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's going to be in this series or the next series, but I'm feeling at some point they're going to have that that same issue that the Clippers had a season ago. They're going to have some of that stuff that's been going on secretly under wraps, under the, you know, under the rug, all that stuff that's been kept quiet and kept out the media and kept out and kept in the locker room. It's going to come out at some point. And I feel like um, we're going to really see who is the leader and who and what the hierarchy of the team is and whether or not this team is able to pull together and focus together and able to, come together and try to go ahead and win a championship. Because to me, I think that should be the goal when you got this level of talent 
and all these different guys who at some point or another have been a star in their career talking about Blake Griffin talking about Kyrie talking about KD talking about James Harden you know all these different guys and also you know I'm just curious like is Steve Nash going to be able to handle that pressure because we've seen some late some late uh some (laughs) late minute gaffes and goose from first season coaches a la David Blatt so I'm like you know like it's it's gonna be fun to see I'm gonna be interested to see on whether or not the 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 Celtics are going to just fold under the pressure and not be able to handle the intensity of, of this super team or will, you know, the Nets just be too much for them. I think the Nets will be chilling. Kyrie just has to burn his sage around TD garden <laughs> and word, th- word. Th- they'll be chilling. Word, word. All right, let's move on. We got the three, six matchup, the bucks versus heat. This is a really intriguing matchup. What's your predictions? Rematch, rematch. You know the Bucks wanted this matchup for real. I feel like this is going to be intriguing just because the the Heat got off to a very slow start. Obviously, they had a lot of different injuries that they had to deal with. At the start. I feel like the Heat haven't been healthy like as an entire I, team the entire exactly, season. Exactly. So, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to have that same level of intensity that got them to the finals a season ago, I, I'm not too sure, but you know, Giannis is licking his chops and is ooh, he's ready for this series. And I, I honestly feel like this is going to be a, a, a very close neck and neck series, but I ultimately I think it goes seven. And I think the Bucks get it. Yeah, I think both of these teams have made very, very big acquisitions during mm-hmm. the season or in the offseason. Um, uh with their role players you look at the bucks getting pj tucker was huge for them obviously getting drew holiday is going to be huge for them as well too but on the heat side a lot of people forget they got trevor Ariza and andre iguodala both guys who have championship dna in them and that have ample playoff uh experience in them as well too so i think this is gonna be a lot a lot closer than what the seating is the three six so i think it's gonna be a really intense matchup high uh level defense very intense um and it's good i'm gonna go seven games i'm gonna go with the bucks i just think getting drew holiday uh to substitute with eric bledsoe how they were last year is a gigantic upgrade doesn't matter how many picks you gave up seeing what drew holiday has been able to do once he got back from injury and was inserted to that lineup and then obviously you got pj tucker mr stick in the corner can guard every single position on the court so (laughs) I think I think the Bucks they're just they're I think they're well more well rounded than the Heat are and it's tough because I'd like to see this matchup in like round two or mm-hmm. even the conference finals or something so it's kind of tough seeing that one of these teams are going to be knocked out uh, in the first round and I think it's going to be the Miami Heat um, and the Bucks are going to take it in seven games. The four five matchup we got the Knicks versus the Hawks. That's Guarantee you, if you would have said this two years ago, everybody would have been looking at you like, what the hell? The Knicks and the Hawks are playing each other in the playoffs. What what NBA world are we living in? So shout out to these two teams for making the playoffs in the first place. Um, what's your prediction on this matchup? This one's a tough one for me because whereas I know the Hawks obviously have Trey Young and I know that they've been kind of an up and down type of team and they're, you know, I would have loved if Rondo was still on this team for the Hawks. Mm-mm. If Rondo might have still been there, that could have Mm-mm. maybe been like a totally different story. 
No, I don't. I don't think so. Rondo uh, on the so. Hawks looked absolutely awful, and I'm not saying that just because he came to the Clippers. Like, right. <laughs> literally, like, no, we need no, no, no. I'm not even saying it from that perspective. I'm just saying Rondo with the Hawks was absolutely terrible. He just didn't fit on that mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I feel like uh, this will all come down to whether or not Tom Thibodeau has run the Knicks rugged and they're just they got nothing because look this has always been the the whole point of Tibbs you bring them in to help you get into a winning scenario get you into a postseason and then once you get there you are dead tired reserve like you are done so I'm like do the Knicks have legs do they have enough to be able to you know stay toe-to-toe with the Hawks who Let's face facts, they're not the greatest of defensive teams, which is going to be interesting to see. But I feel like they, if they can get it going, it's going to be really tough for the Knicks if they don't have their legs underneath them. And I think they're really going to be riding hard on uh, Julius Randle. Um, he was an all-star for a reason. I feel like he definitely is going to have the, a real good opportunity to showcase why he exactly deserved to get that all-star nod. And I feel like the Knicks are just going to have to keep playing with that chip on their shoulder. As long as they play with that chip on their shoulder and they play as if they got nothing to lose and everything to gain, then I think they win this series. I think it's going to be a a shootout, to be honest with you. It's going to be a tough one. And I, I, I don't feel like either team has the edge. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like neither of these teams coming into this is necessarily significantly better than the other. I might say that one team is maybe like, got more of an emphasis on maybe on the offensive end and the other team is better like on the defensive end. Um, But overall, I feel like if it comes down to it and it's a a gritty type game, like I said, the X factor is going to be whether or not the Knicks just got the stamina in them because you got to grind through those 70 70 games in order to just get to this point. (laughs) And if you, if you, if you look at their top two players in Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, both of them played every single game this season, 72 games. Exactly. So I'm like, yo, that's tough. So um, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and and give it to the Knicks to, uh, to hold it down and and get this series. Um, But it's going to be intriguing to see whether or not they're able to, to make a statement like right away and, and, and get these boys up out of here, or it's going to be a, a long rugged series. And I think it's going to be a long rugged series because uh, like I said, them Thibodeau teams, they make it to the playoffs. They, you know, you, he'll get you to the playoffs, but can you stay there? <laughs> That's the only thing. So I feel like Knicks win this one in six. I guess we're just going to be mimicking each other the entire time. Cause I got Knicks in six games as well too. I think when you put these rosters up against each other, first of all, the Knicks, the best defense in uh, the entire leagues in terms of uh, points, uh, per average points per game given up to the opposing team. They were number one in the league. So, and the Hawks, they have a ton of firepower, but what the Hawks do best is they guard guards very, very, very well. They're one of the best in the league in doing that. And if you take Trey Young out of the equation, I'm not saying they're going to be able to take him fully out of the equation, but if they do, oh boy, the Hawks are in trouble. And I feel like with Clint Capella, Nerlens Noel will be able to handle his own against Clint Capella. Now it just really comes down to the wings, but I think you have guys like RJ Barrett, Reggie Bullock, Alec Burke, guys who can handle their own on the defensive end versus those guys um and then Julius Randle and John Collins would be going back and forth so 
I think the thing with the Hawks is they have a lot of firepower coming off the bench. They have Gallinari, they got Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. they got Kevin Horter, mm-hmm. they got um, you know, I think Cameron dishes out for the season, but uh DeAndre Hunter, depending on who they start out of those guys, but mm-hmm. They have firepower coming off the bench as well, too. So it's going to be really, really tough. But I just think the Knicks, their defense is just so stellar that I feel like they're going to be able to shut down Trey Young this series. And uh, and I think that's why they're going to win in six games. Let's move on to the Western Conference. we got the 1-8, the Jazz versus either the Warriors or the Grizzlies. So that's to be determined. So let's talk about the 2-7 seed, the Suns versus the Lakers. I think both teams hated that this had to be the first round matchup. And I think fans as well, too, of these teams, because they're just like, damn, is this going to be our first round knockout or what's the deal? So what's your predictions? I feel like uh, this series will be fun to watch because correct me if I'm wrong, because this is the first time LeBron and CP3 are going at it in the postseason. Mm hmm. So it is. That's gonna be fun. CP3 has been in about... the CP3 has been in the Western Conference, I think, his entire career. Mm-hmm. And LeBron, when he came to the West, didn't play them last year because mm-hmm. the Rockets beat OKC, and then the mm-hmm. year before that, Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, so I, you want to talk about two guys who have phenomenal basketball IQs and literally are coaches on the floor, and the the we've seen the antics of Chris Paul throughout the regular season on and whether or not he can get away with different things in the rule book. So, I mean, like you want to talk about, he's going to be throwing out different like shenanigans in this series. I don't even want to know what he's going to be pulling in order to help the Suns to be able to get a couple games on the Lakers, man, because I feel like people are going to straight away write off the Suns and they're going to say that this is going to be a gentleman's sweep, or this is going to be an easy sweep for the Lakers. And, Clearly, you haven't been watching this. You haven't been watching this NBA season, so I, I think that the Lakers are gonna have enough in the tank to win it. But boy, I, I think this goes seven to be honest with you, because there's no way in hell CP3 is gonna allow the Suns to get bounced out in like round one without it not being a fight. And I feel like it goes seven, but ultimately, I think the Lakers are gonna gonna be able to take it because they're gonna ride heavily on AD and LeBron. And I think uh, this is going to be a really fun series. This is my marquee series to watch for uh, the first round because you got both of these teams that fought so hard in the regular season. One team had to go through like different injuries and other team was able to flourish. And I'm just curious to see whether or not Aiden and Booker can handle being in this moment. Because it's different when you can kill off teams and, you know, have fun and be able to play at your best in the regular season. You in the playoffs now. The game slows down. Half court set. You got to – like your first option is not there. You got to be able – like your first move ain't there. You got to be able to outsmart, outthink, and outcraft your opponent and be able to – you know, be a marksman and be able to pick your spots on winner on when you're going to be able to make that run and make that that push at the right moment and at the right time. And do they have the fortitude? Do have they been able to siphon off knowledge and be able to learn enough throughout the season from CP3 to have enough in them to push the Lakers and not only push them, but beat them in four games? That's a tall, tough task to ask. And I think that the the veterans are going to definitely be showing out in this one. And I feel like they're just going to be able to, to get over. Um, and the Lakers are going to be able to get over on the Suns, and they're going to move on in seven. 
We agree yet again. I got seven games. I got to go into the Lakers. I think the Suns, I f- yeah, like you said, I feel like a lot of people are writing them off and they just people really haven't been noticing the Suns, I think, until the latter, latter part of the seasons. But even then, I feel like some people still discredit the Suns and what they were able to do this season with, uh, you know, CB3. I think I think Booker, the last two seasons, has matured so much yes. as a player on court. And that's why yes. when you're talking about are they going to be able to step up, I think Booker will absolutely be able to step up. DeAndre in maybe, maybe not, especially going up against guys like Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis, uh, you know, two guys that crash the boards very, very hard. And DeAndre, in one of his best skills, is crashing the offensive board. So it's going to be a little tough for him. I still think he's a little young, but we'll see. He could prove me wrong. Um, but I think this is going to be an intense defensive matchups from both teams. And the biggest thing with the Lakers, a lot of people are like defending champs. You know, they still got their team, they're all healthy. But to be honest, are they really fully healthy? I really feel like LeBron is not like, especially seeing what he was doing against the Warriors. I mean, what he did in the second half of him turning up or whatever, is like what we would normally see from LeBron. Mm -hmm. And in that first half, he just looks like he was kind of grimacing and didn't want to put a lot of weight on that ankle. Like he, Mm -hmm. there's a little part of him in the back of his head that's kind of like, doesn't want to put too much weight on that ankle. And he even came out and said that I'm never going to be hundred percent again. Then again, that could just all be gimmicks and stuff. It could just be the pity game that he is playing. But, um, and then with Anthony Davis, homeboy is just made of straight glass. So <laughs> like he has a different injury every two weeks, like to, to some part of his body. So it's, it's really going to be tough. And in the playoffs, players bang there's there's no there's no soft patty cake basketball anymore players bang so you got to be ready to take the take the hit and be able to deliver the hit as well too so it all comes down to the my my main worry for the lakers is being healthy because i really think that's a huge concern and then with the suns it's really just the big men if they're going to be able to hang with the lakers down low uh as big men so it's going to be a fun series. I think every single series in this Western Conference we're going to go through is going to be all must-see TV. So let's get on to the 3-6 matchup. We have the Nuggets playing the Trailblazers. What's your predictions on this game or this series? Nuggets, Nuggets Trailblazers, man. Uh, it's going to be fun to see because you got the two guys. Well, one guy who, me personally, I said was an MVP uh, level player and going to be an MVP candidate in the preseason um, before the season even started in Dame Lillard. But the guy who I feel like, you know, uh, is the front runner at least to win the MVP is Nikola Jokic. So, I mean, this is going to be a really, and again, sad that we get this series in round one because one of these teams has to go home and the implications for both teams is high, 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 because the Nuggets, you know, uh, I feel like the biggest, the saddest thing, though, is that no Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, man. Like, that's going to be killer. And I feel like that could maybe even play a factor in whether or not they, they win this series, man. Because I told you, Kush, I have respect for Jokic's game. I have respect for him as a player. But I don't know if he's capable of taking a team to the finals i don't know if he's capable of, of, of being able to be that dude because even when they went on that i don't run know last season even when they went on that run last season hold on when they went on that run last season jamal murray was 
I think one A one B at some time because I feel like maybe for that first out. round against the Jazz, but against the right. Clippers, absolutely not. Jokic right. had the team on his back. Right, right. But see, like I feel like him not having him there is going to really suck because even though Michael Porter is a good option, and even though they still they he's still been killing can, it, they still have options. Like I, I, I won't Gordon. deny that. The Trailblazers are always that team that. They're like a gnat that just will not get out your face. And you just want to like just swing and swing and swing, but they will not go away. So I feel like, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Nuggets get bounced out here in the first round. And I feel like D-Lil is yet again going to try and do his very best to put on his Superman cape and just wow people yet again in the NBA postseason. And I feel like this one, this one goes seven. And I think that I got the trailblazers pulling off the upset here. I got the the nuggets getting bounced out in the first round, man. So I guess uh, our entire playoff bracket is going to be the same or what? Cause I got blazers (laughs) in seven games as well too. So Quite a, I I wish we had different picks right here so we could go back and forth and banter. But yeah, I just think with the loss of Jamal Murray, that's a huge loss. And I just think that there's nobody on the Nuggets team that's going to be able to contain Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, who are you going to have? Monte Morris, Compazzo, like Will Barton. (laughs) That's just not, that's not going to be able to get the job done. They lost key, key wing defenders in um guys like Tory Craig from last year and guys like uh Gary Harris as well too so they brought in better uh you know wing defenders in Aaron Gordon who they traded for but uh I I there's no real wing players for them to guard you're gonna have Aaron Gordon on Dame or CJ McCollum I don't think that's gonna work so and I think Robert Covington is gonna be able to hold his own either against Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. I think this is the reason they traded for him or the exactly. Guy. I think Jokic is going to have a field day, though, because I really don't think there's anybody that can really check him. Nurkic and oh, which, by the way, this is a Nurkic revenge revenge series. That's what that's a hey, that's that's also why I was I was I'm kind of leaning towards Portland because so he's this been week. injured for like a large portion. And I always like felt like if they had a healthy Nurk, they had a healthy Nurk. They could really be that team that you just don't want to see in the postseason. And this is exactly why right here. Yeah. And I think. Well, Nurkic is kind of – he's been kind of sus all season long, even, like, before his injury and after his injury. I, I personally think that Ennis Cantor should be maybe getting the starting nod and have Nurkic uh, come off the bench, but – No, nah, I, I, I want I want Cantor to come off the bench just because he'll be, like, a, a good spark plug. You always kind of want to have somebody come off the bench that can provide that same, that, that energy and be able to, to pull your team up, especially, you know, if the first – if the starter ain't getting it done. So I feel like Canner coming off the bench, even if Nurk is playing bad, you still got to have Canner on the bench to be able to provide that second unit. That uh, I mean, that you can say the same thing too. have Nurk come off the bench, be a spark plug. It's, re- it's really if vice he's not versa. getting it done. Yeah, if he's not getting it done, then I mean, like, we'll see. But I mean, well, then you got Canter already starting there, getting that's the minutes. True. So yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, that's why I got the Trailblazers going seven. I just don't think that there's anyone really to contain Dame and CJ. And I mean, yeah, the Nuggets have Jokic, but I think Jokic can only do so much. But that's why I, I have this game going to seven games. I don't know if you remember what was it, 
four years ago when they had that quadruple overtime mm-hmm. with these mm-hmm. two teams mm-hmm. and all those memes came out about Nurkic losing weight and stuff within mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's happened in the past before between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. So, and then I also, what was it? Two, no, three, or I think it might've been the same thing when CJ literally put the team on his back and carried mm-hmm. them to the Western conference Finals. So this, these two teams have a lot of history in the playoffs uh, in recent years. So it'll be interesting. And I'd love to see a seven game series out of these two teams, but Me I have, too. I have the Blazers ultimately winning. I'll say this though. If like Nurkic, I mean, I'm sorry, Jokic, I feel like this is his opportune time to not like, cause I mean, obviously the voting is going to be done before, you know, the series even, even starts, but this is the, the ample opportunity to shut everybody up. That is saying this man does not deserve his MVP. And he is not an MVP. I want to know who if says he, that. Nah, because I mean, like, there's been a lot of people. Look, there, there is so many people in the media, in the NBA media, that don't want to give this. That are trying to find any reason, any excuse whatsoever to deny Jokic an MVP award. This is the series where where the voters would be able to be like, if the if the Nuggets get bounced out, they would be like, see, see, see. What what this is why like especially like people like Nick Wright who's been campaigning heavily for Jokic oh, not yes, to win MVP. Yes, I've seen this. So, but it's stupid be, though. I, I I that's why I can't stand narrative voters. Yeah, but here's my thing: is like if Jokic is able to shut you know people like me up, and again, I'm not a hater of the man. I feel like he deserves MVP. But here's my thing: is like if you can't get it done, then it kind of makes me look at you a little like. This your MVP? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the league MVP and getting bounced out in the first round? I mean, the same thing happened with Dirk, respectfully. And I think the same thing will happen to Jokic. I mean, you know, I feel like Jokic Same thing is a happened great with Giannis, player. too. Yeah, I feel like Jokic and Giannis and, and, and Dirk, I feel like all those guys are great players. But I think they're killing You got something is... against international players, Nothing. huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's, let's kill that noise. No, but nah, but nah, but nah. But the, the problem I feel like with both of them, Giannis and Jokic, is have they been able, how far can they go when it's them as the key guy, as the head honcho? And it's like, they only feel like they can go to a certain point and then it's like, okay, you're done. You're done. You're done now. Okay, so, but let, let, let me tell you this. I don't mean to cut you off, but let me tell you this. The teams that have won championships, is it always because that number one not, player has gone off the entire time? Not. Or it's because absolutely of that number not. two player has absolutely stepped up? Absolutely so that's not. that's what I'm saying. I can't. I feel like even if Jokic balls out out of his mind and they still lose in, let's say, five games or six games, that's you know not, people are still going to yeah. rip him apart. But, course, I mean, that's course, not on that's him. Because, of course, because he's the head of the snake. But ultimately, it's like you said, if if he's able to do this, put on the Superman cape, do this and take Denver into the next round, I will I will be like even if they lose in the second round, I will give him a clap. I will say, hey, you proved me wrong because he doesn't have because like you said, even though he didn't play well, Jamal Murray is still there to be able to uplift yeah. the team. And even though he didn't play well in that second round, and even though he didn't play well against the Lakers, he's still there to be an option, a viable option to help if Jokic is struggling, can't get it done, can't find a shot, is not you know able to you know get to the line, whatever the case may be. He, he's not being able to get it going. He still has that safety net. Now you don't have that safety net no more. It's where it's like, it's you, bro. It's all on you. 
And if you don't turn up, it's like, bro, they got no shot. I so, feel like I feel like that's unfair. It's it's unfair, but it's real. I'm I'm just saying. Like I feel in, like in, in the modern era player. of NBA, where we have super teams being built exactly. with duos and trios to exactly. have one guy, because who are you gonna say is number two is Michael Porter Jr., a guy who's True. I mean the he's second still, year he's still developing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I I think it's got to pump the brakes on on Jokic. We still got to give him time. I, I would say give him another two years, three years maybe. If okay. they can build the team, I, I, you can blame the Nuggets. I'm not Don't saying blame. blow it up. I'm not okay. I'm not saying blow it no, up. No, no, I'm not saying that either. But yeah. I'm just saying I feel like you gotta start pointing fingers around him, not at right. Him. Okay. Well, I mean, this will be an intriguing matchup, regardless win or lose. I'm I'm very intrigued to see what happens between because there's implications for both these teams. Because remember that uh, the the Trailblazers we say that blind. every year about the Trailblazers. Like you, you, we feel like is this the time to blow it up between CJ and Dane? Like are they gonna roll the ball back out with those two again if they lose this series? We have this conversation Robin, every year. Brought in Covington. You 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 brought in uh, all these different guys to be able to to support and be able to help you get at least bare minimum to the the second round bare minimum to the second round so if they can't do that i'm sorry bro like if they get bounced out in the first round they got to split up dame and cj i'm sorry i'm sorry that that's got to happen we'll see if they really do something like that all right let's move on to the last matchup in the western conference we got the four five a rematch from last year's first round we got the clippers versus the mavericks uh what's your thoughts on this series i would say that the Clippers are a different team, but I also say that the Mavericks are a different team as well because um, I think that the Clippers are a more cohesive unit, which is scary if you're a Mavericks team going up against them. And I'll say that Doncic has gotten better, but the Achilles heel with this Mavericks team has been what? Because has been they struggle to hit from beyond the arc, and they kind of struggle on their defensive end. And it kind of starts with Doncic. Let's be honest. Like, he's not the greatest defender in the world. And, you know, he, he, he is still, you know, developing as a player. And he's still very young. So he still has time to be able to, you know, get better on the defensive end. I mean, I'm not going to kill the guy because he's not the best defender. And he's only, you know, what, 21 years old. He's still got some time to get better. But I, I think that it's gonna, it's, all, it's always going to be tough when you got – two guys on the opposite end who are good two-way players. And again, I said this is this season, it was time for Paul George to put up and shut up. And he had a really solid overall season, let's be honest. Like, you know, people going to be quiet and you're not going to hear this on ESPN. You're not going to hear this on FS1. But Paul George had a good season this year. And Paul George, if you don't think that he still is not, you know, heard about pandemic P and PG, you know, playoff P and like all the different memes that he had to, and all the cruci- the crucifying that he had to go through from last year and last season. Uh, I think he's ready to turn up. And I think that the Clippers, they're a different team. And I think that uh, this, this is going to be uh, an exciting series because obviously we still have Doncic who's going to be doing Doncic type things, but I don't know, man. I don't know if the Mavericks are going to have that same level of intensity and provide that same uh, scare to the Clippers like they did last year. I think this is gentleman sweep. This is 5-1 for Clips. I think the Luka Doncic that we saw last year in the bubble against the Clippers is as good as it gets because he literally 
look like he was playing. That's why he was my preseason MVP pick because mm-hmm. the level he was playing at was literally like he was the best player in the NBA at that time against the Clippers, the Cl- Clippers team that had a top five defense last year. So I think even if they get that, I think the Clippers are a much, much better team this season. You got Serge Ibaka, you got Rondo, two guys who have championship DNA. And then you have guys like Nick Batum, who I think was one of the steals of the off season for the Clippers, getting him literally on a veteran minimum contract. So I think the Clippers are a lot more well-rounded, well-versed, uh, better chemistry. It's just whether they play with consistency. And mm. I think that's why bringing a guy in like Rondo, I said this before when the trade happened, is that bringing a guy in like Rondo, even if he plays to the shit level he was at the Hawks, he's a guy in the locker room who can check people and just be like, step your shit up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because so, that's something that Kawhi, like last is, not, yeah, Kawhi is not going to do that. And yeah, like, exactly. Paul George... You know, even if he does that, you know, if he's not playing well, then if you're the other guys and the role players on the team, it's like, yeah, bro. I mean, you could talk crap about me not playing well, but bro, you literally hit the side of the backboard, you know, oh, like yeah. that type of thing. And so Rondo's a guy who's like, look, you're not going to come back at me because, you know, you know, you know, my history, you know, I've won yeah. championships before. So you got nothing to say. You just got to fall in line. And another thing, I think having another head coach in uh, Ty Lue is a huge thing because Ty Lue. If it's not your night, he's not going to go to you. And like literally we've seen that multiple times this season where a guy like Luke Kennard hasn't played in the last four games or he hasn't played more than five minutes in the last four games. They're down, I think, 21 to the Atlanta Hawks. They insert him. He goes seven for seven, 18 points in that second half, and they ended up winning the the ball game. So that's the thing I love about Ty Lue. Then again, I hate the fact that he plays Patrick Patterson. I don't know why Patrick Patterson is on the team there. Then, it, like, even in the league, so <laughs> like I, I, I don't understand how this man's still in the league. So, uh, yeah. And then I think also a, a lot of people forget is that Boogie Cousins is there. Boogie Cousins is not the same person, but bro, but, but he's, he, he's, yo, that's a guy who if you bring him off the bench could give you some solid minutes. I, I, I don't, get, I don't, I don't think he will. He's not nothing. He's not gonna come off the bench probably. Yeah, rotation is gonna be really short. But if you, you know, hey, he he could just be a guy who could, you know, have like a little spark out of nowhere. But it depends on if he still got that because he's shown flashes here and there of that old, old uh, boogie mm. cousin, cousins. Mm-mm. I haven't seen it this season. A little I think, bit, a little bit. I think not, that's not well like the to past. the level of his, of his play though. Yeah, and then I I completely forgot Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann has blown me away this season i i was kind of a not a doubter but i was just like okay i'm kind of complacent with him he's gonna be you know a role player he's gonna be like all of our last first round picks that we've had late round picks and didn't really pan out or whatever but he's worked his way into the rotation and has been very very impressive for this clippers team so i think clippers are very well rounded this uh coming playoff so i'm really excited to see them it's just about consistency and um with this team and hopefully tyloo just doesn't flip a switch and goes dock rivers on us <laughs> well for me at least and then on the maverick side of things i just think that they have two good defenders in maybe josh richardson and dorian finney smith outside of that they really don't have great wing defenders and especially coming off the bench and i think the biggest thing for the mavericks is christoph porzingis was their game one messed up his knee and then he was out the rest of the season or the series. So having Kristaps Porzingis there the entire series will definitely be a huge difference maker. But I think that's why they brought in a guy like Sergi Baca, you know, to kind of counter a guy like uh, 
Chris Hops Porzingis. So it's going to be a really, really fun series. I honestly did not want this matchup for the Clippers in the first round. I would have much rather had the Trailblazers, given how the, the Clippers played the Trailblazers all season long. Um, because you, you got to remember the first game with the Clippers and Mavericks, the Mavericks won two, one this year. Remember the Mavericks beat them by like 50. They were up 50 <laughs> at like halftime. Hey, but don't, Hey, but what did I say? I said, that's probably the best thing that could have happened to them, to be honest with you, because that was a reality check that, Hey, uh, just because you got new coaching and you got some new players and look, you need to calm down and just go under the radar. And I feel like the Clippers really did a good job of going under the radar. Nobody I've seen or heard talked anything about the Clippers all that much this season. Rarely did I ever see anybody talking about how good the Clippers are playing or how the Clippers are playing or how anybody's doing about that. So I just say this. Um, I think that the, the, the big thing is, is that, like you said, it's a culture difference with the Clippers. They still have that same depth that they had. They still have the star power that they have, but it's different as far as the vibe with them. They look like they're not playing around. They look like they're 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 focused this year, and they look like they're they're a, a totally different uh, mentality. So whether or not that comes to fruition on the court is a totally different thing. But like I said, you don't think that they're still remembering that they have that still in the back of their minds about like, yo, this team slapped us by 50 something points. Like, let's go out here and kill these dudes. Yeah. And one more person I forgot. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Clippers, but Reggie Jackson. I don't know what the hell Ty Lue has talked to him in during the season, but homeboy has completely flipped the script and has been an amazing role player for the Clippers. But I don't know if I said this all in all, I'm going to say six games Clippers. I have it being the same result as last season. All right, let's move on. We got our nosebleeds, all NBA teams. Let's start off with the rookie teams. We got the all rookie first team. Uh, both me and Corey came up with these lists together and, uh, that's why it's called the nosebleeds. All NBA teams, rookie first team. We got Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Emmanuel Quickly, and Sadiq Bay. Anything you want to touch on? Uh, I feel like all these guys. Well, the first top three guys that we have on there: Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You can pretty much just already pencil them in on uh the on this team. I feel like Lamelo Ball. Mm, I feel like it depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at it from a perspective of like, you know, he got injured, he didn't play maybe enough games, uh, maybe, but like for over a half majority of the season, everybody was talking about this guy being penciled in as rookie of the year. Like the, the impact he had on Charlotte was amazing. And the, the level of play that he had on Charlotte is like, like it, it was just a different LaMelo ball that I was expecting to come into the league. I was expecting him to be a lot more nonchalant, but the dude was really like, he was hustling for a lot of doing stuff that I felt was like, what he's jumping into the stands, diving for loose balls, doing all that gritty work that I didn't think that I felt like he was kind of too cool for school to do, but he, that's that LaVar in him <laughs> for real though. But hey, Anthony Edwards as well. I kind of had a slow start, but hey, the turned dude up. really turned it around. And that, you know what I think it was? It was that poster. It really was. I feel like that poster really light a fire under this guy. And he really was like, yo, I'm the number one pick. I got to start acting like it. And Tyrese Halliburton, shout out to him. I feel like the, the Kings got another good guard to pair up with uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, steal the draft. Really the steal in my, the draft. In my opinion. Draft. Because the dude honestly kind of got under the rate, really flew under the radar as yeah. far as you know NBA uh, scouting wise. But I feel like he definitely showed out and he proved exactly why 
he deserves to not only be an NBA uh, all rookie first team, but he definitely uh, showcased to me why he was in the, 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 the rookie of the year conversation for majority of the season. So absolutely. Yeah. And then we got Emmanuel quickly who you can argue was one of the biggest steals in the draft in the latter part of this draft um, sharp shooter from behind the arc really helped the Knicks team. And then Sadiq Bay, Day in and day out was one of the lone bright spots for this Pistons team. I thought the Pistons traded a lot to get Sadiq Bay and, uh, you know, their other rookies as well, but turned out well. And that's why we're going to talk about the second team right now. We got Jay Shante, Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart, Patrick Williams, and Isaac Okoro. Want to touch on this? Uh, only thing I got to say is shout out to my man, Cole Anthony, man. Like uh, that dude really is gonna be in a good I, I like the the guard play between him and uh what's his name Markel Fultz yeah uh no 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 uh RJ no, Hampton no, RJ Hampton yeah I like those two young guys over there uh, you gotta remember they're getting Fultz back as well too exactly so it's gonna be an intriguing thing to see but I feel like Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton those two like guys toward the end of the season they were doing some things and they provided at least a level of bright spot for Orlando to look at and be like, okay, we got, we got something here that we could work with that we could build off of going into, you know, this rebuild. And then uh, Isaac Okoro for me, like it, it really in preseason was showing me th- different things that look, I wasn't familiar with the dude, but he definitely made me have to tune into a couple of uh, Cleveland Cavaliers games when Cleveland was off to a pretty good start to begin the season. So I think that the the Cavs is building something there, to be honest with you. And they got a nice two-way player that if he gets that offensive game improving, he could really be a dog for them, to be honest with you. And Patrick Williams, I the dude didn't start that many games in college and was like really like the shock of the draft. Um, but hey, I feel like his second half of the season, he kind of like gave Bulls fans something to look at and be like, all right, all right, he's a nice young dude that hopefully in years to come can help us as we try to, you know, make our pl- push into that postseason. Yeah. And then the other two guys, Jay Shante and Isaiah Stewart. Jay Shante, I felt like this dude was thrown into a new position every single night with <laughs> when John Wall and, uh, you know, Kevin Porter were out. And then when Christian Wood was out and Kelly Olynyk was out, like dude was literally playing the one through five the entire season. So that's why I got to give a shout out to him because he was healthy all season long and put up good numbers. And then Isaiah Stewart made the Pistons look like they had a good draft getting Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart when they kind of shut down Miles Plumlee, you know, quote unquote tanking. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah Stewart picked it up. I said, I would say the only knock on him is homeboy has like four posters against him this season. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Hey, that's what you love from a young player. Some, a guy who's not afraid to step up and, you know, challenge someone at the rim. All right, let's move on to the all-defensive teams, the nosebleeds all-defensive first and second teams. First team, we got Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, and Rudy Gobert. Second team, we got Matisse Thybul, Mikhail Bridges, Robert Covington, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. What's your thoughts on this? I so wish that Joel Embiid didn't get injured because he really could have had a shout-out to make that first team. But, hey, Rudy Gobert, man. Rudy Gobert, it seems like a lot of people criticize him because of the level of pay that he, the level of money that he's making as far as that contract. But you know 
one thing is guaranteed with that dude, Rudy Gobert. He is a lockdown defender. And I think you said it before we started uh, recording, because like the dude had a career year in blocks. Like the dude just seems to continue to get better on the defensive end. And it seems like how much better can he get? Like, but he just keeps on perfecting and getting better at defense. And that's what he's known for. And that's what he's going to be. Draymond Green, of course, I, I had to pencil him in because I feel like he was one of the big, big reasons why the Warriors were able to get into that playing tournament. Because if it, if not for his level of defense and him anchoring that defense, Warriors, I don't know if they make it into the play-in off of Steph alone. And then uh, uh, Ben Simmons really turned heads. I'm not going to lie to you. When, uh, when I heard that he was involved in the trade talks between the 76ers and the, the Rockets for Harden, uh, I would have pulled that trigger. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I would have pulled that trigger and swifted off, uh, shifted off of uh, Ben Simmons for James Harden. In I still would. <laughs> but he did show me, like, he is improving. And he is, you know, his game is not just, like, stunted. He's definitely starting to build off of and started to work on his game. And he's improving his game, I think. And this year definitely showed why uh, he was one of – the big reasons why the Sixers had such a, an amazing season this year and getting it done on both ends of the floor, especially on defense, he deserves to get that first team nod. Yeah. And I mean, I, I pray, I pray every day that Ben Simmons just gets a three point jump shot. He would be so lethal and be a different difference maker um, for the two other guys, Drew holiday. I already pretty much explained the, the basically the plug in piece for this Milwaukee Bucks team and how good they've become um not only on the offensive end but on the defensive end as well he's out there guarding your best ball handler um every single night so it's going to be really fun to see him step up in the postseason with guys like Giannis and Middleton by his side and Jimmy Butler led the league in steals literally day in and day out was dropping damn near triple doubles almost average a triple double um so Jimmy Butler was was ecstatic the entire season and it was fun to watch him Second team, I got. I, I, I have to go with my guy Matisse Thybul just because this dude is absolutely insane for only getting 20 minutes a game and averaging over a steal a game and over a block a game. This guy was just absolutely amazing. I mean, you put him alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The only thing stopping this team from going far in the playoffs is Doc Rivers. So, yeah. <laughs> and then Mikhail Bridges absolute monster guarded the opposing team's best player um for the suns and that had really really helped them uh lock up that second seed in the western conference and i still to this day cannot believe the sixers traded him for literally pennies i was just about to say that because i'm I, like bro like it's insane he would have been such a huge piece for them man. oh he would have been the perfect piece for them oh my God, he would have been such a good. And he's from, he's he's and he a, went to school in Villanova too. Yeah, and he's from Mc, Philly. Like Mikhail Bridges story. is the epitome of a three and D player. <sighs> he would have been such a great piece to have for them, but damn, they was not thinking. But anyway, yeah, just to piggyback off of you, I mean, if had he not got hurt, Joel and B, like I said, would have probably been in the first team. But I think he definitely deserves second team nods. Uh, Giannis is going to be Giannis. I mean, he, he's he's a monster on the book on both ends, but especially the defensive end. Like, goddamn them go dot the go go gadget arms is just always tough to get around but uh but yeah i feel like uh the defense of teams especially the second team uh is really solid to be honest with you oh absolutely i don't i don't think you're scoring over 100 against either of these teams 
All right, let's move on. We got the last but not least, the nosebleeds, all NBA first, second, and third team. We'll go team by team. First team, we got Steph Curry and Damian Lillard at guard, Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo at forward, and then at center, we got Nikola Jokic. Corey? Uh, Let's start off with that man, Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry averaging 32 a game, definitely deserves it. Definitely turn heads, like I said earlier, about him proving the doubters wrong. And like you said, an absolute lock at the first team spot. Uh, on the opposite guard position is going to be Dame. It's because I felt like Dame is always going to be right up there. And the conversation is always going to be had on whether or not, like, you know, those two, to me, you know, go neck and neck as my favorite point guards in the league at the moment, to be honest with you. I feel like those two guys, like, uh, are always going to be the top tier guards um, on, on a team if you allow, if they're able to have a team that is uh, in the right system for them. But overall, I feel like uh, those were the, the two guards that we had to put and give the nod to. And then I feel like it, it was maybe a little bit controversial, but Luca, man, I feel like has to get in there. I feel like Luca had yet another Luca type season and um, even though his team might not have improved heavily, I feel like he he continued to improve steadily. And again, as Kush loves to point out, and everybody loves to point out, the boy only 21 years old. So it's scary to think what he's got in store for the rest of his career. Bearing he stay healthy, of course. Yeah. And the other two guys, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, Giannis, you got to pencil him in there with Steph Curry and Jokic front runner for the MVP trophy. So um, definitely got to pencil those two guys in. I don't really need to go into why they're in our first team. Um, and then let's get into the second team. We got at the guards, Chris Paul and Kyrie Irving. And at forwards, we got Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. And at center, we have Joel Embiid. I've been seeing a lot of people putting Joel Embiid at the forward spot of the first team, but you cannot do that. He is a center. You cannot put him <laughs> at the forward spot. Even like the, the, the voting system, how it works is basically where they played majority of their minutes at mm-hmm. that position. Because I remember – it was a year that DeAndre Jordan won first team all NBA from the center position. Draymond Green had more votes than him at the center position, but he played primarily forward. So that's why Draymond Green got pushed to the second team. So voters, if you guys are listening, you cannot do that because I've been seeing multiple voters putting out their ballots and they put Joel Embiid at forward. You cannot do that. (laughs) But yeah, that's the teams. Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid for the second team. Corey? I think Chris Paul just has solidified himself as a guy who he I, I really hope CP3 becomes a coach. Oh, I would future. love that. Would Whoever's really getting him as a coach. Oh, bro. bro. Like, I would love to see him just get the opportunity to coach a team, bro. Just, because... just draft his sons just so you can get him <laughs> as a coach. Like, yo, like he like he is basketball IQ and the, the wherewithal that he has to take a team that missed the playoffs or was projected to not be as good in the case of him being with the uh, Thunder a year ago and then put them in playoff position. And then this year, not only take the Suns into the playoffs and over the top, but have them be a top two team in the West, the West, Kush, the West. Now, bearing, of course, there were injuries that, you know, allow that to happen, but hey, that's out of his control. And I mean, that's incredible that that happened. And for me, man, I mean, 
CP3 is gonna is is gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's gonna be an amazing, amazing uh story of like I feel even if he doesn't win a chip, he's just gonna continue to tear up those accolades and just be one of those guys that everybody looks to and acknowledges is like, yo, NBA history, he's one of the best point guards in league history. At the other guard position, we got Kyrie Irving. This one was a little tough just because given that the two other superstars mm. that are on his team, but I just think the guy is 27 a game shooting 50% from the field, 40% from the three-point line and 90% from the free throw line, which I think there's only six other players in NBA history to do that while averaging over 25 points a game. So 40, 90. And I think with the amount of time that Kevin Durant was out, the amount of time that James Harden was out, they still were a second seed in the Eastern Conference. So that's why I'm going to give it to Kyrie Irving um, because I think he played the most games out of the three of them. So <laughs> that's why I would give it to him. And then... Kawhi Leonard, I feel like Kawhi Leonard's always in the talks of first or second team just because, I mean, he won't, he'll never wow you with the plays. He'll kind of lull you to sleep <laughs> as a defender with the way he plays the game, but he plays the game so efficient. And he was actually almost part of the 50 40 90 club this season as well, too. But uh, just the best two way player uh, in the NBA right now. And I mean, he has that clutch gene to him as well. So that's why I got to put him as the second team and then jimmy butler i pretty much explained uh why he should uh or that he was almost averaging a triple double this season and he literally put the heat on his back to you know avoid the playing tournament when they were literally one of the worst teams in the eastern conference uh to begin the season and given the amount of injuries that the heat had he definitely helped them uh get to that top seed yeah i got yeah i agree with you and also like with joel and beat uh at, at one point or another whether you believe it or not, he was MVP. And had he not got injured, he probably would have won it. Uh, and I feel like he definitely showcased a lot of uh, versatility. He definitely showcased – I mean, the dude was in conversation to win DPOY. So uh, he could have been MVP and DPOY. And, so, and I feel like uh, he definitely deserves to be in this spot. Um, of course, like I said, had he not got injured, he probably would have got the first team not. But, hey, you know, that stuff happens. And, you know, <laughs> he is one of those guys, like we say, is made out of glass. But, hey, uh, Joel definitely had a good season and probably one of, if not his best season, I would say one of the, the seasons in which you say, like, hey, like, wow, this is where he kind of came alive. And uh, his, 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 uh, his lore in the NBA went up a bit. Absolutely. Yeah, and controversial topic, but I think he is the best big man in the entire NBA with the likes of Anthony Davis and uh, Jokic there as well, too. So take it as you will. But let's talk about the third team in the All-NBA teams. We went with Devin Booker and Russell Westbrook at guard. At forward, we had Julius Randle and Jason Tatum. And at center, we have Rudy Gobert. So giving uh, the young blood some, some love over here, Corey. I mean, how can you not give Jason Tatum the nods this season? I mean, the dude literally had three different games, like we mentioned, where he, he had 50 points. And it I just feel like had Jason Tatum not been playing the way he was playing, Celtics, dare I say, don't even make the playoffs. Don't even oh. make the playoffs. Like, I mean, yo, <laughs> like they like Jason Tatum was the sole reason why this team was hanging in there and hanging in tough because Kimba was struggling. 
Jalen Brown, you know, is having up and down nights as well. And then he gets injured. And then Marcus Smart majority uh, of the season with his injuries. So, I mean, like he really kept this thing afloat and uh, really kept the Celtics, uh, you know, in that in that uh, that playoff contention. And uh, then we got to move on to Julius Randle, who I feel like this has been Julius Randle's most like signature season of his NBA career. Like this was a a career turning season for Julius Randle because a lot of people have looked at him and kind of like felt like he underwhelmed as far as his projections when he was drafted and hasn't lived up to what he was projected to be. But this was what he was kind of projected to be like, just, I felt he was a baby Zebo. I felt like he had that potential to kind of be like a, a Zach Randolph ish player. And lo and behold, <laughs> Zach Randolph ain't in the league no more, but Julius Randle has been taking over that mantle of like, look, I'm just going to grit grind and force my way to the cup and try to get there by any means necessary. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's great to see it. Hey, y'all might not believe me, but when I tell y'all, when I was like seven or eight years old, I played against Julius Randle when we were in AAU. This is the craziest story that I ever had in my life. But when we were like seven or eight years old, this man was skinny as can be. Still tall, mind you. Still was like six foot something. And at eight years old, it felt like. And this dude was skinny as I don't know what. He was definitely a shell of himself. So when I saw him at Kentucky and the dude turned into a man child, I was like, oh, my God, he ate himself. So, like, yeah, it's just crazy, like, full circle for me to be able to see this dude, an NBA All-Star, and I can be able to tell people, like, hey, I played against an NBA All-Star. I can, I can hang my – I can be able to, you know, hang my hat on that. That's dope. I, I love that Zebo comparison. Definitely a lot nicer looking than Zebo, though, I would say. <laughs> um, for the guards, Devin Booker, I think the, – the guard, it had to be – it was so hard. You had guys like Paul George that could make this team, but I, I ultimately went – we went Bradley with Devin Beal Booker. Well. Yeah, Bradley Beal as well, too. Average second most points in the league. Um, but it, it was tough. I had to go Devin Booker just because how much he's grown this entire season and getting the Suns to that second seed, definitely helping. And day in and day out, he, he's been putting on a show. And then Russell Westbrook, you want to talk about putting on a show. This guy literally averaged a triple-double for the fourth season in his career. And it might have been one of his more impressive ones because he averaged over 11 assists and over 11 rebounds while averaging, I think, 22 or 23 points a game. So, I mean, this this if you had him on your fantasy team, I'm pretty sure you, <laughs> you might have won your fantasy league because this dude was a straight dog. Um, and it's honestly as much shit as Russell Westbrook gets and the amount of shit that I say about Russell Westbrook, <laughs> too. It, it, you got to appreciate greatness, and I always do. And it, it's a blast to watch him. And then Rudy Gobert, like I said, the stifle tower is what they call him, and I think – you, you look at when Mike Conley was out for majority of the season and then Donovan Mitchell was out for the latter part of the season as well. So Rudy Gobert has really been that mold for this team when those guys were out and they still finished with the best record in the NBA. So you can definitely credit a lot of that to him, basically allowing very limited points in the paint and forcing teams to take tougher shots because of him. So that's why I got to give him a third team nod. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of The Nosebleeds. Let us know what y'all think about our, uh, you know, all rookie teams, all defense teams, all NBA teams. Let us know who you would put in your all NBA teams. We'd love to know down below. Make sure you guys are following us on social media, on Twitter, at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. On Instagram, The Nosebleeds. And on Facebook, look up The Nosebleeds podcast. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we're on that. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, feel free to shoot us a five-star rating. If you like what you heard, write us a review. If you're feeling generous, it really helps us out. We'd appreciate that. But other than that, any last words, Corey? NBA playoffs. Enough said. Don't need to continue. Don't need to go on. I think that says it for itself, y'all. We are in for a treat. We are in for something to marvel at because I think this might be one of the most open playoff brackets that we've kind of seen where it's not just chalk. I think we might see a lot of different unexpected things take place and a lot of different implications is on the line. Careers could be taking uh, shape here and guys could be moved around uh, if things don't pan out. So I feel like this is going to be a really intriguing NBA postseason and one that we are going to be very happy to see because, like I said, it might be some history on the line. It might be some crazy, chaotic things going on. And I'm expecting it not to be as everybody's expecting it to be. I think it's going to be a lot of shockers happening in this NBA playoffs. And uh, I'm all here for it. Yeah, we got a ton of good matchups. And at the same time, we can't forget, we still got a part two of the playing tournament as well, too. So we'll see. Hopefully that can be as good as this last uh, couple games have been. But other than that, we out. Deuces. Deuces.